to the Forgecast. My name is Niels Ergren. I'm Sam Towns, and unfortunately Alex couldn't be with us today. Uh, he's otherwise engaged swinging a hammer, so uh, you'll have to deal with us for this episode. And before we move on with the episode, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Gamerco Artisan Supplies, the place to go for your blade steels, forge kits and burners. And they're offering a very special deal to our Australian listeners. If you're hearing this, use the code FORGECAST10, that's FORGECAST10, all one word, to get 10% knocked off your order of gas forge burners and accessories or blacksmith tools. This is a limited time offer for our listeners only. So if you've been holding off on doing an order through them, now's the time. Get on it. Certain item exclusions apply, and we're working on a deal for our overseas listeners too, so stay tuned. Now back to the show. So, Sam, you want to tell us about your week? Yeah, it's, it's been, um, it hasn't been a, a physically demanding week, although uh, the, the summer weather is hitting us now, unfortunately. Australia doesn't have four seasons. It only has two. It has summer and not quite as hot summer. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we have, you know, winter where, you know, the, the temperatures regularly get down to about 21 degrees Celsius, uh, you know, in the depths, in the depths of winter, you know, we might see a day where it's 18, maybe 16 on a, on a stretch, um, as a, as a maximum, you know, we get, we, the minimums can get down to zero and so like that, but we never get below zero. We never get snow. Not here, at least. Um, but yeah, now we're, now we're starting to see the swing into summer. And, uh, you know, the sun is shining and, you know, the sweat is flowing quite freely. Uh, but I've been working really hard um, on finishing a whole bunch of knife commissions. Well, actually, one commission and a whole bunch of other knives that are going to be going up on my Etsy store very soon. Uh, finishing up the sheaths for all of those. Um, so I, I spent the last three days stitching leather and I have uh, sinew slices in my fingers from tightening sinew over and over again. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been been rough on the hands. Um, but yeah, so it, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been a very productive week, but it hasn't been very uh, kind of bursts of activity. It's mostly just been sitting down at a desk with uh, needles and and knives. Um, <clears throat> how about yourself? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, just uh, continuing on the workshop, and uh, as I said last week, it's very close to being finished, and when this episode is, <coughs> is out, it might actually be finished. So, at the moment, we're laying, we've ha- laid half of the tin roof, so yesterday we do, did all, you know, like the, the wood structure under the tin roof, Yep. and um, I did a lot of, uh, like, um, spackling the walls, or what it's called, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the cracks where I missed uh, missed uh, the plaster, and uh, I've doing been doing those the frame around the windows, and uh, you know just tiny work. That's basically what's done, and also drill a hole for the ventilation tube to go up. Yep. So uh, we we got a guy coming in fixing that later with the insulation and everything. Uh, so 
and then it's just the electricity. So so my plan is, if everything goes to plan, I'll do the electricity work on Monday or Tuesday. And then it's just waiting for the, the, the guy who does the tin work on the roof to just finish off, and then I'm completely done. Cool. Well... Well, I'm going to paint. Uh, we, we have this really cool plan. So we got uh, these garage doors for free from a friend who's also uh-huh. an electrician, by the way. And we're going to paint them black because in Sweden, well, probably everywhere. I don't know. But in Sweden, we have this like uh, the outdoor uh, areas, garages and stuff. They're going to be red and with, with black doors. It's super common. And houses nice. are usually red with white uh, corners uh, yep. so, and white doors. So... So we're going to paint it black, but on the black, we're going to have my logo. Really okay, cool. And it's going to be hand-painted by my fiancé. So. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's going <clears throat> to be pretty epic. So that's basically been, been my week. I'm going to go directly after this, going to continue laying the tin roof. And uh, what's, what really bugs me about this, and I had like... Um, we're go- go- going to come into this a little bit later in the episode during the topic of the week, but... I'm just going to mention it here. What's really been hurting me the most is I'm not I'm not able to forge during this time at all whilst I'm working on this because I want to give all my attention to this, right? And it's been mm-hmm. taking like, what, one and a half, two months or something like, something that, like that, full time. And the disturbing thing is that I'm so behind <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with my work and... Another thing that really bugs me is I cannot work on my Instagram profile. I have to upload old stuff all the time. And it really hurts me because I don't, I don't like it. I want to give new stuff and new thoughts and stuff like that. But, but it's just basically... Because Instagram, let's face it, to be honest, is something I really invest a lot of time in. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say that because I think it's a really fun way to interact with the community and, you know, post stuff. And it's fun. Um, but you don't have to do that to be a blacksmith. But I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a I mean, time maker <clears throat> as well. So, yeah, I mean, I um, <clears throat> I really enjoy sharing my social media. I mean, I really enjoy my YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that's annoyed me about this uh, leatherworking project, I, I don't, I I don't know why, but I don't post work in progress photos very often. Um, you know, I, I I follow guys who upload lots and lots of work in progress stuff showing their process but i always get like a little bit scared of showing my process because i'm always worried that i'm doing something wrong <laughs> and, so, and so i don't f- upload work in progress pics so it, normally i get spans of days where i can't upload anything because i haven't finished anything recently uh and that's been this thing with these sheaths i had four sheaths all going at once which is why it took me three days um and that means that, I, you know, for these last three days, I haven't had anything to upload because I've been working on these sheets. I really got to get out of that habit and start taking some work in progress yeah. picks. But uh, it's, yeah, the it's hard to get out of a I, habit. I, I, <laughs> I have been doing a lot of research on how to grow your Instagram profile. And you might think, why do you care about that? Because I, I have a goal with my Instagram account. And I mean, it's kind of personal, but, but, but I still have a goal. And something that it's something that I like to do alongside with my regular work in the blacksmith shop and alongside with the forge cast because those three are my like main thing that I do at the moment so I do have a lot of tips and tricks on how to get started and I've done a lot of research 
on it. Uh, and if this is something that you would like us to talk about in the future, how to grow your social media, um, it takes a lot of time. So, so just so you know, organically at least. So if that's something you're interested in hearing about, uh, listener, uh, just send us an email and confirm that. And we might do this as a topic later on. Absolutely. Uh, Let us know. But yeah, it would be, I, I truly enjoy it. So, so, um, so yeah. Uh, where was we? Uh, where were we going with this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so I'm I'm eager to get back to work so I can finally. Oh right, I was gonna say about the thing that you said with the work in progress. Just one tip, one Instagram tip. If you're just starting out, it's it could be a great idea to just post uh, like very good pictures. And work in progress pictures can sometimes be a little bit dif diffuse uh, or yeah, not so you know messy. Yeah. Yeah messy yeah so it can hard to like see what what's going on but but uh, but starting out if you're new to instagram your first 20 posts or something like that try to be finished products um and uh, and, uh, and then when when you, when you start to get a following that's always liking your stuff then you can go and try to start like doing more work in work in progress stuff so that and you if you see my profile I, I have mostly finished products but that's something that i'm going to do more of now so yeah that's something that i wanted to say as a tip so moving Absolutely. on inspiration of the week <laughs> you want to go sam uh yeah I, I i'd love to start um as as i said in you know what i've been up to this week I did do a little forging earlier in the week, but most of my week has been taken up with this sheath making. Um, and one of my great inspirations uh, this week in my sheath making was uh, a man by the name of Paul Long. Now, any of our American uh, listeners uh, who know anything about the ABS, the American Bladesman Society, will know that Paul Long is well-renowned within uh, the American bladesmithing circles as being probably the man, the guy that makes leather sheaths for the, uh, you know, the master smiths and stuff like that. Um, his sheaths are spectacular. They, they're so beautiful. They're so clean. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're absolutely phenomenal. Now I can't claim to be anywhere near as good as Paul Long at all. Uh, <laughs> leather working is not, my specialty, um, for our listeners, if you want to make judgment on how my leatherworking is, uh, the photos of the four sheets that I've been working on will be out on my Instagram by now, uh, by when this, uh, episode airs. So you can go and check my Instagram and see what you, what you think. But Paul Long, uh, unfortunately I couldn't, uh, I did find his Instagram page, but he hasn't uploaded anything. Um, most of the time you tend to find, um, other bladesmiths, like bladesmiths, will upload photos of their knives with a Paul Long sheath. Um, because, you know, Paul Paul doesn't advertise his work himself. He uses other people to advertise. And I've seen him do uh, sheaths for Nick Wheeler, for Jerry Fisk, for uh, John Kohei. Although John tends to do a lot of his own stuff. A lot of big names in the bladesmithing community have... Sheaths made by Paul Long, and he's written books on leatherworking and all kinds of crazy stuff. So he was a vast inspiration for for my work um, this week. Not 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 in the design phase, like you know, I, a lot of my designing was very basic, but mostly in I, I find inspiration in people who take uh, an art form or a craft 
and elevate it to the next level. I don't necessarily want to reach their level, or I don't necessarily want to match their style, but the, the fact that I can see how far they've taken this craft inspires me to try and improve myself. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't believe that I'll ever get to the level of, like, Jerry Fisk in, in, le- in terms of quality. I, I may, but it's going to be a long, long journey. But looking at his stuff and always constantly, you know, kind of motivating myself to improve to try and get to that point is how I'll make improvements. And that's what I took from Paul Long. Um, instead of uh, cutting corners like I normally do with my sheath making, I decided to take a little bit of extra time little bit of extra effort, get my stitches right, get, you know, my profiles right, get everything butting up perfectly. And it, and it really paid off. The The one sheath in, in particular for the custom Bowie knife I made is based on a Paul Long design. And it is the most beautiful sheath I've made. I'm so thrilled with it. It's fantastic. Um, Let's take a moment to talk about sheath making a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Because that's something that I've been super interested in as well. I, I started out making a sheath for a knife. And in the beginning, when I started selling my axis, which was like seven or eight months ago, I, I, I made like this super simple thing that was supposed to be thrown away after delivery. Basically, <laughs> just a piece of uh, uh, leather. And I like <laughs> adhesive them together <laughs> super bad. I was like what is this throw it away but just to protect it during the 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 the, the post uh, thing so uh, during the the travel thing yeah yeah yeah, the transit, yeah. In, in the in the post truck what's it called post office truck. Yeah, yeah yeah that's it yeah post is after behind or something so yeah so so but but it wasn't until i saw someone on youtube i can't recall and i also saw liam hoffman's design this because the swedish design is to be honest really not i don't like it you like put it on and you like have this long thing that you take around the handle and then tie a knot on the other end it's super complicated and very unnecessary work for something that it's super simple if you just take your time and do it properly so absolutely i watched liam hoffman but he has a really modern design with all those pins in. Yeah, they're super the, the easy. They're super super fast to make, and yeah. they look good and they're probably super good quality. But, but I like it when you can see the stitching. It looks a little bit more like handmade, in my opinion. So that that's how I do them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's true. I've made a couple of axe sheaths uh, in the past, not for axes that I've made, but you know, for my woodcraft axes and stuff. And I made a, a design based off the Swedish design, but instead of, you know, when it wraps around the head to come back to the, to the mask, uh, instead of having, uh, you know, the tie, I actually had like a, a, a pop clasp, you know, just a, one of those pop clasps that you get on like a, uh, on a purse or something. Um, yeah, I have that, I have that too, but, but, uh, you know, like this. It wraps under the beard. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Over the, over the beard. Uh, oh, over, over the, beard, the top yeah. of it. Yeah, over the top, it's right? The yeah, same thing. You can do you can do both ways, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. I just find it prettier. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, no. Right. For, so for for sheath making, it's it's a you know Paul Long's a fantastic guy, but there's a lot of guys out there who are doing some awesome work. There, there uh, are some really good videos on YouTube if you're new to this. And and just a, a little tip: when I started out, I didn't have all the tools, which made mm. it 
a pain starting out. <laughs> I have to drill the holes with my hand drill, which we're coming to later. And like, you know, really, ah, oh, it was so horrible. But then I just like, <laughs> okay, what tools do the guys I'm watching have? And I just ordered th- th- that shit. And it's, it's not that expensive. Like, you know, getting started no, in a lot of crafts cheap. tends to be very expensive because you've got to buy a lot of expensive tools. But in leatherworking, you can get away with some very, very basic kit. You know, like just a, a leather knife, some, some uh, punches, uh, and, you know, some awls and a, and a couple of needles and some either some thread or some sinew or whatever. You can do a pretty decent job just with that. Like, that's, that's all I use. Um, I mean, you can go super far and get leather stitching machines and, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. scythes and bevelers and carving knives and stuff. But yeah, just to get a really decent, basic uh, leather sheath made, you don't actually have to invest in that many tools. No, and, and there are sites that, that sell, like, uh, sh- shinies things, which you, they work. I mean, they're not the pro thing, but I what I use is basically... The cheapest of the cheapest, <laughs> but it, it works fine. I have I, well, there's been some of those like whole hit things that's broken, but but then again, I, it's just like they, they cost like six dollars. Exactly, yeah. It's super cheap. So so if you want to like get into that, take a moment and save for a couple of weeks, and you're fine. I'm, I'll say. Absolutely. Uh, right, who's so, your inspiration for this week? Yeah, we got lost there for a bit, uh, as we usually do when it's just you and I, and or you or Alex or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my inspiration for this week is uh, a very famous name, and it's because I watched his build building a woodworking shop, wood shop videos, and that really inspired me to keep on working harder these past weeks while I was building my workshop, and that was Torbjörn Norman. Mm. He is a Swedish uh, blacksmith from uh, south south of Sweden. He's, he comes from, uh, I think he's, he's from outside Växjö, which is a Swedish town in the south, not south-south, but very south, <laughs> compared to the north. So, so yeah, um, <laughs> he is famous for uh, being a YouTuber, basically, and he is um, very, very... How do you say? He's very old school in the way he's, he makes things. He is the OG YouTube blacksmith. Like he was, he was popular before Alex Steele was popular. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's he's like I was uh, when I was in the music business. We we talked about like different genres and popularities and stuff, and we talked about hard rock or rock and roll. It, it's always been there, and it yeah. doesn't matter what's popular. Rock and roll or hard rock will never shrink or rise above that. It's always going to be this this alive thing who always goes through time. And Absolutely. that's basically Torbjörn Norman. He's very rock and roll in that way. He is, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I mean, it, he he's inspired me before. I mean, I watched his axe-making videos in the beginning, taking, like... Very, looking very closely to what he did and also like one thing that really inspired me before because you know like when you're forge welding an end bit in an axe sometimes you you see these like delaminations in the from the mild steel to the high carbon steel and yeah. you're like oh man i fucked up oh sorry oh shit i shouldn't swear sorry for that. <laughs> i didn't mean that uh, I, I i screw up I, that, that was <laughs> what i was going to say but but that doesn't mean it's the whole thing is delaminated the thing is that it might just be that you didn't 
because you couldn't work those things out by just uh, forging it further, and then they disappear yeah. basically. But but so so, and I saw that with him that he also had tiny delaminations here and there. But 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 you know he's like, if he does it, it's okay. That, that's how <laughs> I thought about it. And then I just then I just found out. Well, if I just grind there, they disappear because it's just in uh, at the the end of the the forge well that, that it's a little bit delamination and that's no problem so, yeah. so it's a lot of inspiration from him so please go and check his uh, check him out but i'm sure probably 90 percent of you guys already know who he is torbjorn is uh is a spectacular smith and everything he takes up i i always get blown away by how clean he forges everything you know every everything he makes is is beautifully clean and simplistic and uh yeah, no, I, I, I honestly, I love watching his stuff, especially because uh, there's no music, there's no, you know, kind of talking or anything like that. It's just the work. Um, and, and, you know, that's something I, I aspire to myself on my channel sometimes. <laughs> A lot of the time I'm talking, but... Um, the thing is that I have been thinking, like, how can he make money working so slow? Because it feels like he takes really long time on everything. But, but I think those things he does on the videos are not the things that he sells for a living um i know that he has a website where he sells stuff and that's mm. usually not the things that you see on his video so no. i think his videos are an exper experiment to be honest and yeah, we have been yeah. chatting with him about we have been chatting with him about coming on the forgecast unfortunately he is not a guy that enjoys um uh, well you could think that, that he is since he has a youtube channel with uh, like uh, like uh, millions of views, but, but he doesn't <laughs> like to stand in the spotlight, apparently. <laughs> or yeah, at least Tor not Torbjorn, in the spotlight. So. Torbjorn is a very, a very private person from what I've gathered. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's, and that's great. You know, like he, he, he wants to keep his thing the way he does it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons he doesn't talk in his videos very often. And uh, that's totally cool if it's what he wants to run it. Um, we're, we're glad to have had that conversation with him. Um, but yeah, no, he is a spectacular smith, and he's definitely worth checking out. Um, and as as uh, Nils actually said, most of the the videos he does are actually when the first time he's done something where he, he's trying something new, and that's why he, that's why he makes a video out of it because he finds it interesting. Yeah, I mean the scissors. Uh, oh man, the scissor was like insane. Yeah, I. Oh. It was kind of funny because that week I was thinking about forging a set of scissors, and then I saw. Torbjorn do it, and I just didn't want to try anymore because he did such a great job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can never do that. Wow. Yeah, All right. Crazy. Uh, moving on to tool time. Tool time. Tool time. So, <laughs> tool time this week, we're going to talk about a tool where that you see in most workshop, not necessarily forge shops. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, I don't think I don't think I've seen a workshop that doesn't have one. Yeah, to be honest. It's like very it's a very, very versatile tool which you can use for a lot of things. Mm. Um, especially if you're, especially if you're me and uh, don't have a leaf. Oh man, like you are you you'll put yourself in it for this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna hold back. <laughs> yeah, so so what we're gonna talk about is the hand drill. That's what yes. it's called, right? Hand drills, yes. So, uh, uh, I, and I should say, I don't own one, actually. I use my father's all the time, because me and my father share a workshop, so I use his 
and uh, we are both like very much into the brand and we're not sponsored by this brand or anything i just really enjoy their products hitachi or hikoki yeah. as they're called now i love them they're so very very good quality stuff in my opinion what do you use um so i've got i've got a uh, a hand drill that my dad actually gave me funnily enough it's a makita um makita is also a really good brand um yeah the the drill is about as old as i am and it still runs pretty well so <laughs> i don't i don't actually um I, I i don't actually use it as much as i used to uh once i got my drill press you know it, the drill press took over for a lot of operations because I mean, let's be honest, most of the time when you're using a hand drill or a drill press, you're using it to drill holes. While they are versatile in some means, and we're going to get into that in a second, the majority of the time you're going to be looking at drilling holes with a hand drill. And, you know, you can, you can, it depends on, you know, what kind of drill you've got. You might have a hammer drill to be drilling through concrete. You might have a battery powered drill for when you need to drill things when you're away from power. Um, that kind of thing, but they all serve the same purpose. They, they rotate a piece of tooling that, you know, bores a hole through stuff. So, um, but yeah, the, beyond drilling holes, they are very useful for other things. And I'll, I'll jump in quickly before you do Nils. Um, I recently, my, one of my favorite things to do with it is to make a mandrel, a sanding mandrel, uh, which is basically, you can either use wood or steel, uh, a dowel. Um, so just a, a piece of rod. I normally use about 12 mil, you know, half inch, uh, cut a slot down the middle of it. And then you can stick a piece of sandpaper through it and wind the sandpaper on, and then just use that to sand curves and stuff like that on anything. Oh. Uh, and it's incredibly useful for, uh, if you're doing like curved, uh, the inside curves of stuff, you know, you can get a Dremel with sanding, uh, with the little sanding drums, they tend to wear out really quickly and they also only go to like 120 grit. Whereas because I can use sandpaper on it, I can go all the way up to 2000, two and a half thousand grit um, with the sanding mandrel. And also every time the, the sanding, the, every time the sandpaper wears out, I just rip that piece off and I've got a fresh piece of sandpaper. Um, so it's a, it's a really useful, useful uh, tool for, you know, I, I recently used it on the Bowie knife guard I made the stupid mistake and it's something that I, it's a lesson that I learned <laughs> with this build and I learn lessons with every build, but I bent the guard before I did the scallops, the, the scoops in the sides of the quillons. So in the, in the bits that stick out from the side of the guard, uh, I bent those before I scooped them. And that is a horrible way to go about things. <laughs> I should have scooped them before I bent it. And it was only until it was only after I did it that I realized that I was a freaking idiot and should have done it the other way around. But that meant that I had to sand uh, the scalloped portion while it was bent. And doing that with even the contact wheels on my grinder was incredibly difficult because I don't have small contact wheels. So having that sanding mandrel on my drill made it really easy to get into the tight spots and sand it all the way up to 1200 grit without having to ever to go to hand sanding to get in there. So, um, that's one useful thing. The other things I've used it for, uh, I've put, uh, carbide burrs, little, f um, the, the, uh, rotary tool burrs that you can get for like, um, air powered, uh, die grinders and stuff like that. You can use those in a hand drill. Uh, I've used those to widen out holes and stuff. Um, 
and to shape material a little bit. They're not as wieldy as a, as a die grinder is, obviously, because they've got the right angled handle, but still useful. And uh, I've also used it to uh, have either a buffing wheel or a, uh, a wire wheel on it to remove material or polish something. So yeah, there are a lot of versatile ways to use it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of ways that it could be used. And uh, the way I see it, basically, it's a very handy tool to have in case something happens. And also, if you need to, like, have a shelf up in your workshop, you can just yeah, yeah. drill the holes. I mean, it's just a very handy tool to have around. But it, I, I see it's more like a carpenter's tool, perhaps, or a builder tool. But, but, but it's very handy to have in hand. And also, if you don't have a drill press... Getting a hand drill can be a very good substitute in the beginning, at least, because you can. Absolutely, I, I use I use my hand drill to drill all the holes in my metal. Like, yeah. uh, uh, for example, when I did uh, do hooks, I drilled mm -hmm. a hole uh, for the hooks uh, with the hand drill. I, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, when I make knives, I don't mm -hmm. have a drill press yet, so I use that to drill the initial hole, like. A lot yeah. of very good ways you can use a hand drill. So absolutely, and and I mean the the big thing about hand drills over drill presses and stuff like that is they're not that expensive. Like a decent hand drill yeah. isn't going to set you back more than one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars. Uh, you know, like you want to get a super high quality one, you're gonna you're gonna really pay through the nose for it. But you're gonna get a really decent, relatively high power hand drill for one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks that'll last your lifetime if you treat it right. So, you know, it's, it's definitely well worth investing in one, uh, even just to have it around the shop. Like I, mine sits on the shelf for three months, but then when I need it, I really need it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I mean there, there, there are very cheap ones you can get as well. I'm looking up the prices at, at the moment. And, uh, you know, as I said, we have a, every, every place has like a Walmart thing or a, but for is home you, depot you could get one for fifty dollars, but it's gonna be very bad, and it's gonna be. So <laughs> That's it. As we usually say here on the show, taking the extra time to save up the money to buy a little bit more expensive stuff. I mean, even Ryobi <clears throat> is pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> and I don't say that easy. So, uh, but but uh, I I know that Devault or. Um, Akira, or um, what are they called? The uh, Vault. Bosch even makes uh, pretty decent stuff. Yeah, Bosch. Bosch are pretty good. Um, now, there are ways that you can use a, a hand drill that are not recommended. Um, and for all of those, all you need to do is go to Nil's YouTube channel and watch him build a sword. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the first times I watched uh, a Nils Ergen, um video, I saw him weld a, a six millimeter rod to a, a giant chunk of steel, chuck that up in his hand drill, stick the hand drill in a vise, and then take an angle grinder to the spinning chunk of metal. And it wasn't even evenly weighted. It was flinging around like it was going to throw itself into his face. No face protection whatsoever. Just going at, going ham with the with an angle grinder on this random shaped piece of metal. And he's done it more than once. There's more than one video out there of him doing this. I, I recommend, highly recommend you go and find it because it is hilarious. But uh, I've done yeah, it twice. 
I don't recommend that method for for using. Nah. I mean, what should I do? <laughs> I, need to, I need to get that thing, like, it, I need to make it like a lathe. I don't have a lathe. But, so. it, it worked. It worked. But but I do not endorse that, that method. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, could be, it could go very painful if you do it wrong. So uh, please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, handles... So- Handrails are a very useful tool, and uh, we you definitely want to invest in one. It uh, doesn't matter whether you think you'll need one or not. Uh, all you need to do is look at videos of like Indian blacksmiths, Thai blacksmiths, uh, blacksmiths from from places where uh, technology isn't you know the the greatest uh, to uh, Nepal that kind of thing. They're using a hand drill for like ninety percent of the work <laughs> that, that is required on their their stuff, and they and they make decent stuff. So you know. It's definitely a useful tool to have around. Yeah. All right. So um, that was basically tool time for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember that you can always send uh, like ideas for tool time to us so that we can uh, talk about stuff that you're interested in listening to. So if you have a tool that you think that, why, did, why, have, why don't they talk about that more? Or like, why don't, haven't they even talked about this? Just send it to us on our, on our Instagram or email. Ask.forgecast at gmail.com. I said, yeah. right <laughs> Yes, you did. <clears throat> yeah, honestly, so sometimes, to... sometimes, guys, we're completely lost for ideas uh, when we start the podcast. So having suggestions is great because this could be something that's very obvious that we have missed. So, uh, yeah, please feel and, and free I mean, to send your suggestions. At the moment, we are not doing this full time, unfortunately. It would be really nice if we could do that, but uh, we need a lot more listeners to be able to do that and uh, yeah so so um helping out and uh, to um, to make the show better is uh, something i really like and i really I, I really do this because i truly love the blacksmithing community and that's why we do the forgecast basically in my opinion absolutely that's why we're here it's exactly why we're here but I would do it even if everyone says they hate us. So <laughs> that's it. Blacksmithing, the blacksmithing community is one of the greatest com- artisan communities on the planet, hands down. Uh, I've been in a number of other communities, and I love this one the most. You guys are all fantastic. And talking about being in other types of communities and uh, doing other stuff than blacksmithing, we wanted to go back on the topic of the week and discussing a little bit on why we do what we do and the journey in the craft to where we are today a little bit. Just hmm. talk about stuff that has changed us maybe a little bit in the craft or outside of the craft maybe a little bit and how it came that an axe maker and a knife maker and Alex sit together and talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Alex. <laughs> Oh God! (laughs) Sorry, Alex. (laughs) Uh, He's going to think on the fly. What does Alex do? Uh, He's going to slap you when he sees you. (laughs) He does whatever he wants to. Fantastic. uh, You want you want to start out a little bit on why why did you start with knives from the first? Um. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's kind of an interesting story, and it, it kind of ties into something that I've noticed 
uh, in recent months, um, I've been very open on my tra- on my YouTube channel, especially about my struggle with depression and anxiety disorder. Um, and it's it's been one of the one of the most difficult parts of uh, my life. This this these last year or two couple of years have been uh, very difficult for me, uh, mental health wise and physical health wise. But uh, that's beside the point. One of the reasons um, that I actually became a full time blacksmith and um, <clears throat> the reason that I uh, that I'm now full time is because uh, my panic disorder got to the point that I was actually uh, blacking out when I would have a panic attack. I would actually uh, collapse. Um, I would be unable to breathe and, you know, I would lose focus and I would black out. So um, after passing out on the job a couple of times, the the boss basically just said, you know, this isn't working. Uh, Unfortunately, fortunately, I suppose, we lost the contract. I was a security... security, personnel for uh nine years fortunately we lost the contract that i was working at the time so uh, basically it kind of came together at the same time that i was having all of these issues and we lost the contract and so basically uh, my wife and i sat down and we said well i need to i need to heal i need to fix this i need to fix my my mental state so i'll I'll take a few months uh to try and get better my wife was working full-time she still does She's fantastic. She supports me and she, you know, keeps our family under a roof. Uh, without her, I'd be living on the street. But uh, yeah, she, she said, listen, take, take a few months. I think it was in October. And then uh, she said, by January, February, we'll, we'll figure it out. And um, it was November. It was so no, October. I lost the job. A couple of weeks later, I went to a medieval reenactment event and met Jake Mantell from Firepants Fabrication. Um, and he, uh, and I started talking. I was doing a blacksmithing demonstration at the time, and he sells the fire ant grinder, which I use. Um, and he, I got he and I got talking, and he works he works with some really big names in the Australian blacksmithing community. And he said, "Listen, Sam, you know I've seen your work, and I believe that you're capable of taking this full time. Why don't you?" And you know, I had the first thing I said was, "You know, there was all these excuses. Oh, I can't do that because I don't have the tools. I don't have the, you know." all of the the workshop space and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, he said, well, you know, what's stopping you? You know, have you got work otherwise and stuff like that? Are you, are you working full time? And I told him about my situation and he just said, listen, man, you're good enough to do this. Just do it. You know, get out there. What do I need to do to help you? And he actually helped me get my YouTube channel started and he, you know, helped motivate me to, to get, you know, going in this industry. Um, and he, he still helps me to this day, you know, like when I was making the uh, guillotine tool, he, you know, reached out and said, Hey, listen, I saw the guillotine tool design. It looks fantastic. Would you mind if I took the file and kind of, uh, improved the design? He added those tabs and all that kind of stuff, made it a lot more easy to put together. He's a fantastic guy. And, um, yeah, that, 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 that kind of came from a really dark place uh, in my life where, you know, I was down the road of, of, you know, suicidal ideation and stuff like that, uh, to have that kind of, that person just say, listen, you are worth something and you can do something. That was fantastic. As to why I got into blacksmithing in general, why I started picking up a hammer, um, was, you know, six years back, I always told the story of, you know, watching Kyle Royer and my wife just said, you know, I said to my wife, you know, I'd like to try that. And, and she said, why don't you? 
the the beginning of that was I always wanted to be a gunsmith. Um, when I was uh, you know when I was growing up, I always wanted to be a gunsmith. I was a competitive shooter for a long time. For, since I was thirteen, I was a competitive pistol shooter. Um, I was always surrounded by the firearms community. Uh, I was you know I had a lot of good times, and then um, I went to work for a, a company which will remain nameless because I hate them. Uh, <laughs> but some some bad some bad things happened and um basically it, it put a bad taste in my mouth for the for the firearms community here in western australia unfortunately there are a lot of uh bad characters there lots of politics lots of bullshit um or lots of bs sorry uh but yeah um so after that i kind of felt a little disenfranchised with it but i still wanted to be a maker of something uh, and it was a year, it was probably about six months after that, uh, that all went down and <laughs> there were police involved and all kinds of crazy stuff. I won't get into it, but, uh, it was about six months after that, that I mentioned to my wife that I'd like to try bladesmithing because it was, it was something that I'd always kind of liked. I, you know, you see people forging swords in the movies, you know, Aragorn's sword being forged by the elves, that kind of stuff. So I always wanted to try it, and uh, yeah, given that I'd just given up on my dream of becoming a gunsmith, I decided, screw it, let's become a bladesmith instead, let's make knives, because knives are cool. And the more I got into it, the the deeper I kind of delved into the YouTube uh, side of things, and then going on the forums, blade forums, Australian blade forums, British blades, meeting some fantastic smiths, such a welcoming community, everyone I reached out to, no matter how big they were, was always willing to share their knowledge with me, to share their time. Um, I just felt so welcomed by that community and, and so taken in uh, by that community. I, I, and I was relatively unknown. You know, I was, I was just a kid who wanted to try it out. Um, that, you know, I kind of fell in love with the community as much as anything. And um, yeah, I really fell in love with the craft as well. And so I, that's why I decided to make it my focus. Um, and then, yeah, for five and a half, six years later, um, it all kind of came to a head when I, uh, had to make a decision. It was either, you know, mope and, uh, mope and moan or, uh, take up the hammer and go full time. And I'd like to say before I jump onto, like, before Nils jumps on, that I, I've addressed this in a video on my channel, um, called Forging Through Adversity, which I took from Alex, the title, um, but a lot of people actually reached out to me after that and said that the, they've had similar experiences and that blacksmithing was their, their outlet, their release. That was, their, that was how they invested in themselves. And I totally recognize that in myself as well. We use our craft as kind of the way to express ourselves when we can't necessarily express our emotions verbally or in other forms. We express ourselves in our craft and... I think that's one of the reasons why this community is so um, supportive and so uh, open to new people is because we we all share this passion and a lot of that passion, so, uh, you know, I, I, there's a fair few people out there. This passion comes from a dark place and it's the light that's leading us out of that darkness, you know, like to get a little bit spiritual on it. But, you know, it, it is the, the light point in our lives. You know, when I'm feeling the most... Uh, depressed that I can be, and I've had some really hard weeks recently. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Um, being in the workshop and making something, and and you know, working with my hands has been the the savior. It has been my savior. And so, you know, I I thank um, I thank 
this community every day for the support that they've given me. And, you know, I, I, I am super thankful that I have the opportunity through the Forgecast, through YouTube, um, through my Instagram to, to reach out to these people and to have that community, have access to that community and have that community have access to me. So uh, every one of you guys listening, you are all fantastic people. And uh, we thank you very much. But uh, yeah, how about you, Nils? How did you get started in blacksmithing? What made you want to become an axesmith? Mm, yeah, it's also a dark story, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know how, how, how long back I will go, but, but let's just say like this. I've gone through a lot of therapy for myself, for self-knowledge, basically. Um, I wanted to invest in myself because I felt kind of lost at a point. I was in the music business for a long time. I was at a music college here in Sweden, and I really invested all my time in getting like super good at my instrument and at music in general. And I really strived to become like a full-time freelance musician. Um, because I, and there's a lot of story to why I wanted to go that route. You know, like a freelance musician, you don't really have a it's nothing steady no nothing is routine in that and yeah. um, there's a lot depending on what route you want to take it i i basically see it like the, this is the easy way to say it i come from a, a household where there's a lot of the men are always working hard and doing the right thing and honor and stuff like that has always been very important uh, at least from what i saw so I wanted to, you know, there was this rebel side in me who wanted to do something completely different from that. And the music business was something that was very, like, uh, wide in personality-wise. And, you know, there mm -hmm. are people who are uh, men who dress like women and stuff like that. And I, I, there was something about that that, that uh, took my attention. But I think after six or seven years of hard practice and living that life, a lot of partying and on the road stuff, I it and after a little bit of therapy, I finally came to the conclusion that I shouldn't hide from who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I should be uh, acknowledge who I am, and uh, I mean, I I did post a picture a couple of months ago where you could see how I, how, how I looked when I was in the music business and how I look now <laughs> with the beard. And the thing is that I, and I don't want this to be politicized at all, but I, for me, just for me, I don't care if anyone else uh, like think this is stupid, but, but I finally took the, took the, the step to embrace my masculinity mm. and, uh, and then I felt like I need something that really, because I'm very like musical and I see like melodies and I, I, and even when I'm drawing, I like drawing and I like to fantasize about the world I'm drawing. You know, I'm very like, what do you say about that? Um, artistic. I have a, <laughs> yeah, artistic. I have a way I need to express myself somehow. So I wanted to find something that was super manly but also very artistic <laughs> yep fair enough <laughs> so so yeah swords and forging swords was like yeah i'm gonna try that and i'm gonna grow a beard and i'm gonna embrace myself for who i truly am i'm not gonna hide from who i am because i truly there i truly believe that and and, and you know if you tried something for a year and it really really only gets better 
and it doesn't mm. like it, there's no rush in everything in that you need to hide who you are in a way or, or something like that and you don't need to hide because you're alone you don't have to hear everything about politics or identity politics all the time in your face it's just me the anvil and the fire and and a lot of nice people and i have never talked politics with a blacksmith and i'm so thankful for that because i'm so tired of that world this oh, is our man. own little place where we can we can just be whoever we are and i don't care if you're a woman uh, a trans or whatever just be who you are in this craft and be honest with yourself and from from the time that i started blacksmithing my life has gone straight up <laughs> There's been a, hit, a little bit of uh, work along the way, <laughs> some uh, load that I had to cut off. Uh, yeah. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, I'm even thinking about, you know, I'm talking with my fiance all the time, like maybe we should, I should do this full time, and we're th- that's the plan basically. So we're we're still trying idea. to figure out how to make that work in the future, or maybe doing it combined with le- electricity work or something like that. We don't know yet, but we'll see. So, and the axe thing was basically, I don't know. I, I tried to make an Viking axe and I really enjoyed the process. It was like a lot quicker than making a sword because a sword can take like two months if you're not experienced. And uh, I, I wanted something a little bit faster and something that might be a product in the future which, which I could sell. So, mm. uh, and axe was something in between a hammer and uh, a sword, literally. And... Uh, and and also not knives only because knives is very fun, but I don't like the, to do them too much. And, <laughs> Fair but access access is like this. It's a cultural thing. I'm very like I love uh, like uh, different cultures and stuff like that. And I love the fact that I'm from Sweden, which has uh, a lot of culture when it comes to weaponry and uh, access in particular. So mm. I really embrace that and. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that I, that I took that step. But I don't know if access is gonna be what I do full time. Maybe it's just regular blacksmithing stuff, you know, like fences and hooks and stuff like that. But I don't care. I, as long as it's me and the hammer, I'm I'm gonna enjoy it. So that's it. So it yeah. And I mean, I I can't agree with you more. Uh, unfortunately, in in our modern age, a lot of things are politically divisive. You know, we we tend to find that you know people are either one side or the other or there's lots of arguments going on in, in the political sphere, and I I abhor it. I understand it. I, you know, I understand both sides of arguments in many cases. I agree with some and disagree with others. The one thing I like about the blacksmith community and the one thing that I try uh, to encourage in the blacksmith community is not to have that divisiveness. You know, I know I have friends on both the left and right politi- of the political spectrum within the blacksmith community but we all share the same thing, which is our love for the craft of blacksmithing. Yeah. And yeah, hot that- iron, hot iron doesn't care where you come from politically, religiously, whatever. Steel is steel, man. Like it doesn't matter from where in the world you come, uh, from whatever background you have, we all share this passion for this craft and we shouldn't let, uh, you know, the ideologies and stuff like that, uh, take away from our interactions with others. You know, I am tolerance is over overall the most important thing in this community for me. And um, you know, like while while we can have disagreements about ideas and stuff like that, respect within this craft is you know for for me is super important. 
Um, and it's... I, I don't care. I, I don't care what, what what you say. I care what you do, and I care. Uh, the only thing that matters to me is is can you swing your hammer or not? <laughs> <And basically, laughs> That's it. People ask me, "Are you a feminist?" I'm a blacksmith. Bitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, so, I mean, no, the, I mean, the the thing You're is, the people you... people people try and get me to involved in not even politics in like you know in a governmental sphere. But, you know, like if you, you, you talk about group politics, like when you get into a, like a medieval reenactment group, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a medieval reenactment scene here in Perth. And there are people who try and get me involved in the interpersonal politics, you know, the, the, you know, like, oh, you know, did you hear what such and such is doing? And, oh, you know, this person is not as good of a person as the other person. They come to me for my opinion or they come to me for to try and get me involved in this interpersonal bureaucracy crap and it's stuff that happens in you know workplaces and all that kind of stuff all over the place and my my simple response to that is i am the blacksmith you know it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know I, I i don't have an opinion if it's not iron on the anvil i don't have an opinion <laughs> yeah at least you want to ask me about man you, you want to ask me about you know like uh how to forge weld or you know the the differences between hyper eutectoid and hypo eutectoid steels i'll talk for days <laughs> but you know as, as far as the interpersonal play uh, the interpersonal stuff goes I think we get way too invested in that where we could be getting invested in, you know, furthering our, our you know, our community through passion for craft. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that I, I want to desperately avoid because my Facebook feed is already full of uh, lots of opinions. <laughs> the last thing I want is that to start creeping into my blacksmithing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about the community because that you can, I mean, I don't care. It has nothing to do with forge. <laughs> Maybe it. a tiny little bit on, on how you run your business. Maybe. But I, that's not my business on how you run your business. I only care what you produce. Yeah. What you do. That's that's the only thing is, that's important. So, so yeah. Th this has been like a very strange topic uh, compared to our other Forgecast topics. But we thought we'd just mention a little bit on how we got here. And, I think... Uh, and, and also, like, one thing... Um, I know that some people might think that, oh, oh um, because like when people said, oh, you have so much talent in music, like, no, I practiced a lot. Oh, it's so unfair <laughs> that people can can be born with a lot of uh, musical talent. I practice a lot. And, and that's like basically in the same with blacksmithing, like, um, what was my point here? Um, it's just like, it's just a grind. Just yeah, go. that's it. It's just the grind. It's just keep yeah. working. Yeah, and, and there's always, a lot of hard work. And if you're going to invest it, do it in something that you truly enjoy, even mm. if it's just a hobby or a thing that you do on the weekends. Invest in it. It's going to make you a better person, probably, if you like it. Absolutely. I mean, the, the big thing for me is that it's not only important to, dis to discuss how we got into the craft or you know how we approached the craft or what the craft does for us, but... You know, like we we all find our specialties within blacksmithing, <clears throat> and one of, one of the things I love about blacksmithing is that it is so multifaceted. You know, you have guys who specialize in making hammers, like that's what they make. They make hammers. Um, you have guys who specialize in making axes. You have guys who specialize in making knives. You have guys who specialize in making swords, uh, architraves, you know, railings and stuff like that. 
And everyone that I meet, every blacksmith that I meet, is capable of making the other stuff. Like, they, they have a fundamental idea of how the blacksmithing works. So that if they wanted to approach, like, say a knife, or say a bladesmith wanted to approach a wrought iron gate, they would know enough about the, black, uh, about the process of heating and beating steel to get a fair approximation of an idea how to make that gate. They might not have the tooling, but they have an idea. And, but the thing is, is that you don't go to a wrought iron gate maker for a knife just as much as you don't go to a knife maker for a wrought iron gate. And one of the things I really like is, uh, you know, I recently had a customer who bought a guillotine tool from me called MDC Metalworks. Uh, and he's just getting started up on YouTube and trying to increase his uh, social media presence. And, um, you know, he, he specializes in doing the, the architectural blacksmithing. Like, he has no interest in doing knives. Like, Roy doesn't have an interest in doing knives. Um, and that's great because, you know, there's no competition there at that point. We're not, we're not competing to be better knife makers than one another because he doesn't make knives. And I don't make, you know, railings. <laughs> if, if someone comes to me and says, hey, can you make a rail? I say, no, go to MDC Metalworks. He's right down the road. If someone comes to him and says, can, I, can you make me a knife? He goes, well, I don't make knives, so go to Sam. Um, and I find that there's so little of that ego in the, in the, in the business for a lot of people. Like, there are a few, there's always a couple of black sheep in the industry that are going to, you know, kind of, no, no, don't go to that guy because he's crap. But for the most part, most of us are willing to share the love around. And there aren't enough of us that it becomes a huge problem <laughs> um, that we all have to kind of backstab each other in order to, to get ahead. You know, th this, this community is built on, you know, kind of good faith and, and, uh, and you know, kind of mutual respect, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Wow. Yeah, it's been a very, very special episode, this episode, and a little, a little bit deep. And I hope uh, <laughs> our listeners don't uh, blame us for that. But but I think it's uh, you know it's that thing you know like we just didn't just end up here from it wasn't random stuff no. happened that made us go here by choice basically. It's not that oh I just happened to walk into a forge maybe that could <laughs> happen for you but 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 I mean something happened in my life which made me. Like, uh, I wanted to change some st stuff, and I saw this, and I thought, I, I might give it a try, and now I'm and here, so, so, yeah. That's it, I mean, and understanding your motivations, like, it's really important for me to remember where I came from, because it reminds me of where I'm headed. You know, like, the, the thing is that it, when I lose, I've lost sight of where I started a few times, and I've, I've looked at my work now, and I've gone, oh, it's crap, because I'm looking at the guys that are you know, that have been working in the industry 25 years and I'm, and I'm comparing myself to them and I go, oh, that's terrible. And, or I'm looking at my business and going, oh, I don't want to expand any further than this or I, I don't even know where I'm going. What am I doing with this business? What am I doing with this craft? Where am I going? And it's, it's not until I look back at my, at my beginning motivation. What did I want to start with? Where did I start? What was my hope for the future when I got started that suddenly I go, well, that's right. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to make this stuff. I wanted to be this guy. I wanted to have this stuff going on. And, and that really motivates me to kind of get started again and, and head towards that goal. And the goal is incredibly lofty and perhaps I'll never reach it, but 
it's really important that you're always aiming for that goal because even if you never reach it, your every step you take on the path towards it is a step closer. I mean, give a man a why and he can bear bear almost any how. It's a very good um, That's, thing. That is very good. I but uh, I don't recall who it's from, but but I mean <laughs> and that why can be uh, that why can be almost anything. It could be where you came from. It can be a goal or something, someone you care about. And uh, take that to heart when you're working. And I truly, truly hope that you enjoy your work. Absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, it's really important that you remember, if you give a man a fire, he'll be warm for a night. If you set a man on fire, he'll be warm for the rest of his life. <laughs> so deep man <laughs> sorry i had to add some levity to the end of this because you know we're getting really deep here <laughs> yeah that's we're we're past the hour mark guys <laughs> screw this we're going i'm going home now we gotta but, end on we gotta end on a high note <laughs> guys i i want to thank you a lot for listening today it's been a very special episode and we wanted to take this topic and i think if you guys like this and talking about a little bit more deeper not necessarily about the darkness and stuff like that but you know like thought processes during the craft and stuff like that i think that's very important because sometimes you can see that you're you've been thinking stuff and you think like you maybe think for yourself that oh who thinks like this but i think a lot of people do actually so it could be mm. good to talk about you know these weird ideas that we have and thought processes oh how am i, how am I going to make money out of this i'm only making this much a uh, piece or whatever we can talk more about that in the future and i want to involve alex in this as well but we're Absolutely. at our mark and thank you for those who uh went to apple podcast to uh, to rank our episode our podcast and remember that we would please continue doing that it would be so helpful uh, rate us uh, whatever you feel is uh, is uh, correct like a five star if you really enjoy us uh, don't <laughs> give us a one star please that would be bad for us <laughs> and please leave a review or a comment if you like to we really appreciate if you do it so if you want to send a question, a topic, a suggestion, or every on uh, uh, a suggestion, whatever to us, uh, just do that by sending an email to ask.forgecast at gmail.com. <clears throat> or you can find us on Instagram at the.forgecast. You can find me uh, if you search for Nils Ugren on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, YouTube, or or you can search for Nils Ugrin Blacksmith, and I'm sure I'm coming coming up, and that's N I L S O G R E N Blacksmith. Where can you find Sam? Uh, you can find me at Sam Towns Bladesmith uh, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, Etsy, the kitchen sink, uh, <laughs> and you can find. You can find our good friend and fellow co-host Alex at Valhalla Ironworks on Instagram, Facebook, Etsy, uh, and he also has a coffee page as well. He also a has YouTube a YouTube page. channel. Yeah, I forgot his YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, that's where he's most active. Uh, yeah, thank terrific. you a lot for listening to us today, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.